This is our eighth sermon in Romans chapter 8, and one of Paul's points of emphasis uh, that we have mentioned throughout the series but have not necessarily highlighted is the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me give you kind of a quick review of the chapter where Paul uh, revealed that, that reveals just Paul's emphasis on the Holy Spirit in this chapter. Um, so we'll jump back to, um, I'll just read verse 1 and we'll throw verse 2 up on the screen. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Bounce to verse um, 4. Man, I need my reading glasses up here today. Um, can someone hold my Bible in the front row? Um, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the Spirit enables us to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law ultimately through um, the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So the Spirit provides life and peace to those whose minds are set on uh, the Spirit. Verse 9, um, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So the Spirit indwells those who are in Christ. Verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So God uh, will raise us from the dead by the same Spirit who dwells in us and who raised Jesus from uh, the dead. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So the Spirit aids in putting to death the deeds of the flesh. So there's that enabling ability of the Holy Spirit living in us to put to death the deeds of um, the flesh. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So the Spirit leads the sons and daughters, the children of God. Um, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Um, as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit assures us that we are the children of God. And then verse um, 23 that we covered um, last week, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our final redemption in Christ. So over 20 times, 20 times in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this beautiful chapter. And yet the truth that Paul provides us today, by the way, when you're studying the Bible, um, if you are in a chapter and one thing is mentioned 20 times, that lets you know that that's an important subject in that chapter that author's covering. It's always important to understand the context of what we're reading and studying, right? And so Paul, 20 times in a single chapter, talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. So that lets us know how important um, it is. And what he has to say today 
um, about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit um, brings encouragement and reassurance to our hearts as much as it did for first century Romans to whom this letter was written. When Paul writes to this group of Christians living in the city of Rome in the most powerful kingdom of the world and their lives were literally on the line every day as they lined it up and said, I'm a Jesus follower and my allegiance is to Jesus and not Caesar and putting it on the line every single day. And Paul says it's the power of the gospel to everyone who believes that enables this. And now in 8, when we get to this beautiful chapter, it's the Holy Spirit living in you, Paul says, that provides us the assurance and comfort um, that we are His, and that speaks into our lives uh, 2,000 years later. So again, put this in context, Paul's been discussing this future glory that awaits those who are in Christ. But this glory is obtained through the path of suffering. Now we live in a broken world. And yet as we emphasized last week, we are people of hope who live in a broken world. We groan is the word that we've been using. We groan in the tension of this in-between period. That our security in Christ has already taken place and yet has not yet been accomplished in our final redemption. That we live in this world between the now and the then, right? The, the, the temporary and the eternal. The present and the future. That we live in this tension in, in this in-between period, but we do so as people who have obtained hope. We have hope as we live in the temporary for the eternal. Now, our final adoption is guaranteed, and yet we groan. We groan as we wait eagerly and patiently for that final redemption. As we have witnessed the last two weeks, and again, I encourage you to go back and listen to those messages, that you know, we stand alongside all of creation. Longing for that final redemption when God will restore and renew all things for our good, for His glory. And so we, we groan as people of hope. We live in anticipation. And we've talked about how that word means that we stand on tiptoes with our necks outstretched, anticipating. And yet we do so eagerly and yet with patience, knowing that we are confident people of Hope And what Paul says today is that, and what he reminds us today is that we do not groan alone. We do not groan alone. Look at 26 and 27, our focus text today. Likewise, so this is kind of continuing in the same train of thought. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for. As we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So notice what the what Paul teaches us about the Holy Spirit in these two verses. He teaches us one, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our weakness, Paul says. Now, that implies some things, doesn't it? It implies, one, we are weak. It implies that we are weak. So, let me give you some freedom today. Say, I am weak. Go ahead and get men. I know, like I know of this. Men, like I'm, not, I'm not even going there. Men are like, I'm not even, no. I won't let the words come out of my mouth. But go ahead, and I'm going to liberate you some today. Go ahead and say it with me. One, two, three. I am weak. All right, ladies, be quiet this time. 
Here we go, man. Ready? One, two, three. I am weak. Ed said, thank you, Jesus. So he's a weakling. <laughs> Saw all these wives like, amen, like giving him the elbow. Yes, you are. Wives are like, let me get my phone out and hit record before we do this again. It implies that we are weak. It also implies, maybe this one's even more difficult, that we need help. We need help. So we've said, I am weak. Now we're going to say, I need help. I'm like, yes, you do. I need help. Ready? One, two, three. I need help. I am weak and I need help. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, in this specific context of Romans 8 and everything we've been talking about, this weakness seems to be tied to our groaning. It seems to be tied to our suffering that we are living in a broken world. And as strong as we may feel at times, and as strong as we may believe that we are at times, we have all lived life long enough to know that life can bring you to your knees in a moment's time. It can bring you to your knees like that. That life can reveal how weak we are in a moment's time. And by the way, if it hasn't, it will. At some point, life will bring you to your knees in a moment's time. It may be a tragedy. It may be a sickness. It may be loss. It may be, I don't know, an injury trying to do a backflip at a tra trampoline park. <laughs> Welcome back, Travis. Wasn't well, it great to see Travis playing today and up here all hobbled? How he was reminded in a moment's time how weak he is. <laughs> Let's just back up to the fact that he could do a backflip. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Well, maybe he couldn't, now the, the truth, but uh, he couldn't do it without injury at least. Um, but he's a step or two ahead of me that he did a backflip. Congratulations. Guess who's not going through eight weeks of rehab? <laughs> Life will remind us. I asked Travis permission to be able to say that today, by the way. And his reply was, why are you asking permission this time? <laughs> In a moment's time, life can remind us that we are finite and we are frail creatures, that we experience moments, we experience seasons where we feel we are out of control when we recognize that we are not in control, that we are helpless and weak in that regard. And this scripture says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, that He comes alongside and aids and helps us in our weakness. We went through the Belief Project and we talked about that text of who the Holy Spirit is. We were reminded in that text that the, the word that John used, is that, that Jesus used, is that the Holy Spirit is this paraclete, which means He comes alongside. He is our come-alongside helper. And that's the idea that Paul picks up on. That He helps us in our weakness. That He aids us in our weakness. That He comes alongside. He helps bear our burdens. It's those I got you moments of life. If you're a parent, you've experienced those I've got you moments of life with your children. Right? If you're trying to stretch them to do something or they're doing something a little unsure. Or for boys, right, they're trying to climb something or jump off something or maybe there's some hesitancy and the thing that Levi needs to hear from his daddy is what? 
It's okay, Levi. I got you. I got you. I got you. You can get up this wall you're trying to climb. You can jump off of this and be saved. You can do this because I got you. I'm here. It's that reassurance. And it's those I got you moments that the Holy Spirit comes alongside. But notice also here, not only does the Holy Spirit help us in our weakness, Paul says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Intercedes for us. Intercedes on our behalf. Have you ever been in a place in life where you did not even know what to pray? You didn't even know what to pray. A pain so intense, a wound so deep, a betrayal so harsh, a sickness so severe, a loss so devastating, a decision so confusing, a heart so heavy, an ask that seems so big. You ever been there in life? We don't even know what to pray. You know you should pray. But maybe the pain runs too deep and you don't even know what to pray. You know you should pray, but you, you can't even articulate the words of what you're feeling because the burden is so heavy. You know you should pray, but the, the ask seems so big for God to do this that you're almost even embarrassed to bring it to Him. I don't even know what pray and Paul says he does the Holy Spirit knows what to pray and not just he knows what to pray he is praying he is interceding Paul goes so far in this verse to declare that the Holy Spirit is groaning there's that word again he's groaning on our behalf This expression speaks to emotions. In other words, the Holy Spirit feels our pain. He feels our pain. He feels what we're going through. And why wouldn't He? He lives inside of us. Like some of you are going through some stuff today. And I need you to hear this. The Holy Spirit understands. The people around you might not. But the Holy Spirit understands. He feels your pain. And let me add, He feels our pain no matter how big or small it might seem to those around us. Man, we tend to view suffering as some kind of competitive sport, particularly in the church world. Who's going through the most? Who's enduring the most? And we, we love to tell people who are going through stuff, uh, that they're, what they're going through is not quite as bad as what we know or someone we know. We all have our like one-up story, right? That this person shares with you, I'm going through this. And your response is, well, at least you're not going through this. I know this person that went through this. Or let me tell you what I went through, right? We love those moments. I, I was reminded when I was going through this this week and I was, came to this point. There's this um, epi- there's a Seinfeld episode, so everybody's like around my age, you'll get this. Everybody else, you can just zone out. Those that are younger, like Ash's age, I'm not making a friend's reference here. Um, <laughs> but there's this episode of Seinfeld where George is trying to get this new apartment. And the tenant association decides to give it to a uh, Andrea Daria shipwreck survivor, which was an Italian um, luxury vessel that went down in the 50s. And so George is sympathetic that they're giving it to this shipwreck survivor until he learns from Kramer 
that it took 10 hours for the ship to sink and only 51 people died. And so then he's all up in arms like, he wasn't like a survivor. He was just slow, right? He just wasn't even intelligent enough to get off the ship in 10 hours. Why does he deserve? And we all have like our, uh, you know, our, our shipwreck survivor stories that surface that when you tell people what you're going through, that their response is, well, at least you're not going through this. Or at least this didn't happen to you. Or did you hear about this person and what they are going through, right? Well, at least you've got one arm left. Man, we're an unsympathetic bunch, aren't we? Where's my mirror at? I need it like right here today. Preaching to myself on this one. But not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit feels our pain. He groans on our behalf. He intercedes. He helps bear our burdens. Helps in our weaknesses. Intercedes on our behalf. But notice how he intercedes. We look at it again in 20. Seven, I go back to this um, verse that reminds us how he does this. Verse um, 27, that he, and he who searches hearts, this is referring to God the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, here it is, intercedes for the saints, what? According to the will of God. So let me break this down for you. Check this out. The Holy Spirit is God. All right, Trinity, Orthodox belief, God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father. The Holy Spirit is God. He is one of the three persons of the Trinity. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, He does so as God according to the perfect will of God. You see, not only... Do I sometimes not know what to pray, but I often pray with an inadequate grasp of God's sovereign will in each life situation. While I pray according to God's will, I do it as a finite, weak human who does not know what that will is. I pray according to God's will, knowing that I can't even begin to wrap my mind around God's sovereign will in life situations. We're instructed to pray according to God's will, but rarely are we privy to what His will is. Not so with the Holy Spirit. Not only is He praying and interceding for us, but God the Father hears and answers His prayers. Did you know the prayers of the Holy Spirit are never rejected because the Holy Spirit knows the perfect will of God. He never gets it wrong. He never prays selfishly. He never prays with the unknown. He never prays hoping it's that way. Every prayer that the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf is answered in the positive by the Father, never rejected because He prays perfectly according to the will of God. So there's a couple of things that this means for us that are so relevant to your life. It means that you are not expected to know the unrevealed will of God in every respect. 
Now notice I use the word unrevealed here. You're not expected to know the unrevealed will of God in every regard. God has revealed, has been clear about a ton of things in His Word. And what it means to follow Christ and to live in obedience. By the way, you do not have to pray about those things. Okay? You do not have to pray whether you're supposed to be kind. You do not have to pray whether you're supposed to be loving and patient. You do not have to pray whether you're supposed to be faithful to your spouse. You do not have to pray about the things that are clear in Scripture. There's been times in my ministry that someone would come to me and tell me that God was leading them to do something that was the exact opposite of what the Bible said they're supposed to do. And my response was, I mean, did God change it up? Like, what's going on here? He's like, give you an out clause for what he's already said in the Bible? There's no out clause here. And so you don't have to spend a lot of time praying about things that are clear, that are revealed. They are there, right? And so clear things, right? Whether you should gather with other Jesus followers um, to, to worship Him, you don't have to pray about it, right? There's this big kind of movement in the big C church right now. Like, I don't need a church. I just need me and God. Well, yeah, kind of, but that's not what the Scriptures is clear about. The Scriptures is clear, like, gather up with other people. As messed up as the church is at times, as jacked up as it is at times, gather up with others because that's what the Scripture says clearly. There's no debate about that. There's no debate that we're to love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other. These are clear things. But there's a lot that's unclear. There's a lot that's unrevealed. As we ask to understand and follow the unrevealed portions of God's will, the Scriptures say the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and prays according to God's will, even when we don't know what to pray, even when we can't pray because of our humanness. Because my default button is that I am more prone to pray, my will be done, than thy will be done. My default button is, God, may my will be done. Anybody else with me on this? Am I preaching alone today? That's why when Jesus says, we pray, thy will be done, it was so clear, right? That's not about us. It's about him. Paul does not instruct us to spend our time seeking diligently to understand God's unrevealed will through some special revelation. Instead, he points us to the Holy Spirit who steps into the gap of our ignorance with his intercession. So here's what I tell people that come to me about God's unrevealed will of God. I want to follow God's will. I want to do this. What should I do? Is God leading me to do these things? Here's what a lot of Christian living is about. If you will keep in step with the Holy Spirit, if you will walk according to the Spirit, these are the, these are the things that, again, clear, revealed will of God in Scripture. If you will keep in step with the Holy Spirit, if you will walk according to the Spirit, these verses and others indicate that what that means is that God will get you where he wants you, right? Sometimes we're so scratching our heads like, am I supposed to do this or this or go here or do that? Like, keep in step with the Spirit. God is big enough that if you're supposed to go here, do that. And again, there's a times that God just reveals specifically to people to do certain things. And man, we're all about that. But for the average follower of Jesus living in the rhythm of life, 
Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. Live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And God and His sovereignty can get you exactly where He wants you in this whole thing. That confidence that we have about the unrevealed will of God. That we don't always have to have it figured out. Because the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Here's what it also, there's something else it practically means for us. It also means like pray audacious, big, bold prayers. Pray them. You know why? Holy Spirit intercedes according to God's perfect will. So I'm going to pray big, audacious, bold prayers to God. Knowing that if it's not God's perfect will, guess what? I have an intercessor that stands in the gap that makes up for my ignorance. That makes up for my finite humanness that can't see and control and, and know. And that He will stand in the gap for me. And so I'm going to pray big, audacious, bold prayers. I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to pray for answers. I'm going to pray for direction. I'm going to pray for the salvation of that person that seems like they're never going to come to faith in Christ. I'm going to pray for them, for God to rescue them. And pray believing that God will make it happen. Not with this kind of shadow of doubt like, well, if it's according to God's will, I'm not so sure here. That's like our cop-out card. Pray big audacious prayers because the Holy Spirit stands in that gap. And He prays perfectly according to God's will. I'm going to pray for things bigger than we can ask. I'm going to pray for things bigger than we can think. We pray those things believing and knowing that He is interceding for us. And His prayers are always in sync with God's will for our lives. So we pray boldly. Here is what I want you to hear from these two amazing verses this morning above everything else. The Holy Spirit is for you. He's for you. The Holy Spirit is for you. The Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you is for you. He's not against you. He's not on the fence. He's not waiting to see if you measure up. He is for you. In your darkest moments of life, he is for you and He is there for you. In your toughest seasons, when you don't know what to pray, when you do not know how to pray, He is there for you. He is for you. When you are confused, when you are hurting, when you are doubting, when you are afraid, when you are unsure where to turn, when you are questioning if God even cares or if God even knows that you exist, He is for you. And He is interceding on your behalf. And I will add one more note here that Scripture teaches that kind of brings us full circle. We're also informed in the New Testament that Jesus also stands as our inter interceder before in the throne room of heaven. That Jesus is interceding in the Father's throne. John Murray, the commentator, articulates it this way. Christ is our intercessor in the court of heaven, while the Holy Spirit is our intercessor in the theater of our own hearts. So when you come to me and say, Devin, pray for me about something. Will you pray for us about something? Here's maybe what my response should be. I'm praying for you, but I need you to also know the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of you is also praying for you. Jesus is standing before the throne of God also praying for you. 
I will pray for you, and I will encourage you, and I am for you. But at the end of the day, I'm finite and limited, and my prayers are within this finite box. But I can tell you, there is a Holy Spirit living inside of you that does not have the limits that I have. There is a Holy Spirit living inside of you that does not have the restrictions or the lack of knowledge or all those things that any of us have. So what's more importantly than us praying for each other, which we should do, and the New Testament instructs, what's more important than that is the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, groaning on our behalf. What's more important than that is Jesus is standing in the throne room of God, interceding on our behalf before the Father, praying the perfect will of God for us. He is for us. He understands. He cares. He hears. He groans. And God hears His prayers. My personality, I'm not a very sympathetic person. I'm not a very kind of I empathize with you type personality. Right? How I'm wired. So I will pray for you. I will feel where you feel. I hurt when you hurt. But I can tell you, I do not hurt at the level that we're talking about here. I can't. You can't. But guess what? There is a Holy Spirit that feels our pain and groans. The words, the language is used here, the words that are even beyond being able to articulate, that He groans. Uh, with this wordless emotion that, that resonates with the will of God. God hears his prayer. So, I'll leave you with this. Rest in his presence because he is in you. Pray big prayers because he is interceding according to God's will. Trust that he is for you because he is interceding for you. He is praying for you according to God's will. Check this out. And that is how we know, verse 28, that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who were called according to his purpose. Romans 8:28, one of the most quoted and most misunderstood verses in all of the New Testament. And we'll dive into it next Sunday.